Up podcast with your host, Mike Drohan. Together, we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Maureen Pound is a master of finding ways for herself and for others to spend more time on doing the things they do best or want to do more of. She's a little bit of an OG life hacker, able to perceive opportunities that increase productivity and efficiency in all walks of life. From finding the balance to raise two children as a single parent whilst managing a successful entrepreneur coaching consultancy, to launching a virtual assistant agency with her business partner Carmen Williams, which has now grown to a team of over 50 virtual staff worldwide, Maureen is the people's champion of doing things smarter and not harder. Aside from the epic stuff she has done and is doing in her own life, it's Maureen's positive outlook and jump first approach that's hard not to love. How do you not respect someone whose response to the question, what would you have done differently, is met with taking even more risks? Without further ado, this is the Doing Epic Stuff podcast featuring my guest, Maureen Pound. Uh, Maureen, we met, <clears throat> I think, the best part of at least five to seven years ago, I would say, when we were both camping. Yes. And I was trying to remember, was that in Barwon Heads? No, it was Phillip Island. Right, okay. okay. And I just need to correct you there, I wasn't camping, I was in a cabin. You were in a cabin, okay. <laughs> but my friend was camping, so I kept going over to the camp spot. Yes, okay, cool. Yes. Now I've got it. I didn't. I thought it was Bowen Heads for some reason, but now I've totally got it, because I remember yeah. your kids hanging around, having chats to them. Yeah, and I think that's how you start. You were very friendly, and you chatted to my kids, and yeah, and then we just started chatting about business and life. Yes, that's right. Awesome. Okay, good. Good memory. Um, I remember that at that point, agent stage in my life, I was running my own startup, 8-Bit Digital, which is essentially a, a mini digital agency. Uh, and that was causing me a lot of, I guess, angst in some ways. It was really... Uh, stressful to run a startup like that. I was doing it. I went in kind of blind. I went straight from agency into that uh, because I just didn't want to do the agency grind anymore. And I just wanted to start something new. And I remember you telling me that you were a business coach and I'd never worked with a business coach or had any real engagement with one before. And we ended up doing a session at one point. I remember coming around to yours to do a session and I can still remember one of the, or the one key theme that came out of one session that we did together was this recurring theme of my want of freedom. That was something that you kind of plucked out of me when we were doing that session. And that has remained a driving force to pretty much everything I do to this day from oh, that session. I, when I think back about it, I still... I've got like a little life goals document and freedom is at the top of that. And that's freedom all encompassing from, you know, financial constraints, the ability to travel, uh, the ability to be my own boss. That's still my centralizing theme. And I can attribute that largely to yourself, Maureen. So thank you. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. It's quite funny. People come back to me years later and said, Maureen, the time that, you know, we did that session and this came out of it. The time you said this and I have no recollection, recollection <laughs> whatsoever, but I'm really happy for you. <laughs> well, yeah, like I feel that there's, I mean, I could have potentially gotten to that place eventually on my own in some way, shape or form, but there's just as good a chance that without your perspective, I wouldn't have. And I think that's, I guess, the power of, of any sort of coach or any sort of perspective and, and having different people pressure test different things is you can only really perceive things one way from your own tunnel vision point of view. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's where that, that was pure coaching. So a lot of coaching out there, it's the, the words bandied around a bit, but it's really a lot of mix of mentoring where I'm talking mm. about my life experience about something and then I'm telling you what I think you should do based on your situation. Whereas that was not what it was. It was really eliciting the thoughts, feelings and responses from you um, 
using a lot of questioning and clarifying and supporting you that way. So just a bit it. of trivia <clears throat> for you. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. So I think rather than me being too prescriptive, there's a few topics I want to touch on with you, but I don't have any particular order that I want to do it. And I think what I'd like to kind of get from you to start with, Maureen, is just your, I guess your, let's just talk the broader professional journey today. Because you've been a business coach for a significant period of time now, but there's also other things that you've explored and now your direction, your primary focus is probably deviating away from that. Um, so I guess I'd like to get an understanding of how you got into business coaching to start with and how you've ended up where you are, essentially. Sure. Hmm. So I've always been a person who has um, liked supporting others. And, but I think most of mankind, in a way, like supporting others in some way because it gives us... Um, feel good. Feel good, mm-hmm. you know, gives us meaning, etc. Mm-hmm. So, um, but my way has always been through um, teaching or sharing. Um, so, this is a bit weird, but as a child, I was youngest of nine children and I used to stand on the um, concrete veranda because that's all we could afford (laughs) back in those days. And um, I used to pretend that all the grass was the world and I was mother of the world and I used to help everyone and they used to come to me with their problems and I would help them. So there's always been this theme throughout my life where I've in some way, shape or form, whether it be, you know, um, volunteer tutoring of migrants coming into the country or becoming a secondary teacher, or being a consultant with the education department with kids at risk of leaving school early. There's some element of the same theme okay. throughout. It's been a recurring theme. So, it's, so, it's, so the theme's there. It's just been iterations of the same theme, really. Mm. So people go on this big thing about career changes. In a lot of ways, the um, the essence of, is still the same. So I did all the whole thing, you know, I did the teaching thing and then I'm like, oh, I want to work in corporate. Yeah, that sounds good. And I went and worked in corporate. But again, in training and supporting and teaching. Yeah, okay. And so then I did the corporate thing and then um, I realised that um, I was sitting on the train in at Spencer Street Station one day and about to head out to, to my current corporate job. And I looked down and saw a newspaper and there was an ad for coaching. And it was quite that was a bit of a pivotal moment in my life. And um, I went and studied coaching. And back then, no one even knew what it was, really. Like, no one would say, oh, yes, I need to get myself, um, a, you know, a business coach. Mm. And I studied coaching. It was actually life coaching. And people thought that was a bit, bit of a wank. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. some people still do in return. <laughs> or a life coach. Have you got your life in order? It's got some pretty pretty negative uh, press at the moment, life yeah, coaching. Yeah, exactly. Because well, any back man then and his dog can be, be like, a, yeah. I'm a life coach. Yeah, well, any man and his dog could be a business coach too because it's unregulated industry. So you can call yourself a coach. So that's fine. But the thing back then was I couldn't then, I'd studied it and then I couldn't go into an organisation and say, oh, okay, can I be a coach in the organisation because they didn't exist. Gotcha. Whereas now they do. Some of the people I have studied with in the past have now got their jobs, like one works for Ford, for instance, and does um, a whole lot of coaching and working with teams in the dealerships around Australia. So now big corporates are taking it more on board. But back then it wasn't an opportunity for me. Gotcha. So the only way was to start my own business. And I'm a, um, I'm a jumper. <laughs> did the highest bungee in the world so I'm really a jumper did you do and the highest bungee yeah, in the world yeah so then I just Man. went right let's just do this and um, and that's what I did so from there that's been the last 17 years of my life really um, coaching and, and training so helping um, entrepreneurs to be more successful by getting their heads their head right and their planning right and helping them out when they're stuck and followed by um um, a lot of training of entrepreneurs to communicate better with staff and themselves. Um, and then, gotcha. but then what's happened just over the last 12 months is I've teamed up with somebody else. And um, as we were continuing to grow the business, we found other opportunities. And that's where we've, we've branched into other areas that have been very exciting. Right. So you've, <clears throat> you've kind of continued along that, that theme of, of helping people the whole time, but you've managed to see opportunities as you've moved along different, I guess, manifestations of you working in that 
kind of theme. Yeah. And you've jumped into different things. Yep. And people often want um, one of the things that are difficult for people to cope with, a bit of brain science for you, is um, uncertainty. Mm, I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, if you're uncertain about when your next um, meal's coming from or your dollar's coming into your bank account, it's, it's very um, uncomfortable. Um, so the problem with going to business and being an entrepreneur is people want certainty that if I do this, that's going to be the outcome. Yes. And, yeah. and you don't, it doesn't work like that. And a lot of, you've, you've got to go down a lot of rabbit holes to find your way. So in the last 12 months, we went down a few, in a few different directions and then found something that the market really wanted and it aligned with our values and everything that we'd done. So we've gone, we've, we're going full on now down that path. Okay. And... Let's talk about that path in a minute. We'll come back to that. Yep. Before we do, I'm going to ask you a couple of things about business coaching. Yep, sure. Type stuff. Because personally, it really interests me. I, I think t- time and time again, I see people who could benefit greatly from business coaching, but they don't seem keen to pursue it for whatever reason. Um, so the first question is, the word coach is a tricky one because it kind of infers whoever this person is, they're teaching me to win. That's what a coach does from my interpretation. So if I work with a coach, I'm going to get to success. So the problem is, as I kind of foresee it, is that you need to know what success looks like before you can engage someone to get you there. So do you find that people are coming to you or historically, have you had people approach you that knew what they were looking for to get from their business or is part of the process that you as the coach kind of help them understand what success looks like because I think it's 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 really alluring to want to be an entrepreneur but I think if you really pushed 60 to 70 percent of people in the world as to why they're becoming an entrepreneur they, they would probably struggle to answer that question and if you don't have that passion to stay the path of entrepreneurship if it's not something guiding you other than just financial, although unless you're super passionate about money, which some people are, it's going to be fucking hard when that business struggles to keep wanting to do it versus just jumping ship and getting a, a corporate jump again, something like that. So I guess my, my question is, in the role of a coach, yeah, how, how, how much of it has been you helping people to understand what they want? That's 90% of it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So people will will come and um, and we even established business owners, and they that first session is all about getting clear, and it can be really painful. Like one of my clients often says, because he comes to me unclear all the time, because it's like you get to the next, you're climbing a mountain, and you get to the next ledge. Right, and you're safe for a while and you enjoy the view and then you look up and go, fuck, like which way am I going to go now? You and, know, and, no how do I, and how do I do it? Mm-hmm. Well, so the, the first session that I do with people is about the what because you have to work out the what before the how. What is it that you want? What's the most important thing to you? What's your why? What, what's this all about for you? Mm. Um, and then once you're clear on that and then what it looks like, um, then we get into the stuff of making it, you know, measurable and exact, you know, if you want to change the world, you know, what it, what exactly does it look like? What's the measurable thing that you're going to put on it? Um, and then from there, the next session, then we plan it all out to work out exactly, we treat it like a, um, a you know, a business, a strategic business plan then and map it all out. Got it. So you give them basically, a, you're a wayfinder. You go, look, guys. I'm going to find out this kind of uncover your what's your your north you're star. Going, you're going to uncover it. I'm going to help you uncover it. Right, right. But even though even though I do that, people still say to me the time you said to me or that you know you came up with this, and I know I didn't come up with that. You came up with that. <laughs> you thought I came up with that. <laughs> right. I asked you the question or clarified the gave you the clarification that helped you come up with it. Gotcha. Because it's so important, like the way the human brain works as well, we, we own our stuff. So it has to be even in our words. If I say something to you, um, it's going to resonate best if you come up with the words. Like mm. ideas are like children, we like our own the best. 
Yeah, yeah. So you have to come up with the idea. You have to come up with the words around it. You have to come up with the measures around it. Mm. Then when you get into the how, sure, I can do some mentoring or some suggesting from working with business owners over the last 17 years and what other people have done. But there's, but I think that is so underrated, this aspect of it. Mm-hmm. People always want a golden answer from someone else and then they don't like that other person's fucking answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the way we're wired. Because you've kind of, you've made your own decision about what is the answer that you want, and then when it's challenged, it's very difficult to swallow that that pill. Yeah, and the way the brain works, it protects its, itself, mm. so it just doesn't take ev- everything anyone else says willy nilly. You could be the enemy, mm. so so it's always on guard, um, and the prefrontal cortex has to make you know the synapses have to make their own connections for it to all make sense. Yeah, to protect yeah. you, so. Um, in a way, um, it's quite logical. And yet, the, we're lazy. We're so lazy. We just want someone else to give us the answer. Mm, absolutely. I don't want to have to <laughs> think about it. <laughs> yeah. Thinking for yourself, especially when you've got a really blank canvas, like you're starting something new or you're about to start something new, That is that, that introspective work is some of the most exhausting work that I've done. Yeah. It's just sitting there and going, okay, what's next? Without anyone else to guide you, uh, I've definitely run around in circles before, many a time. I've been like, hey, I'm back here again. Haven't I been here twice, three times before? This is not good. Aren't you like meant to make the mistake once, twice, three times? You're an idiot. So Yeah, but the whole idea of the coach is you're supposed to, you go out there, make the mistakes, you come back, and then they have a guided approach to then help you learn from that. So you're not going to just do an iteration of the same thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And, and that already is... A huge benefit if you work with the right coach, if you can derive that benefit from that undertaking, that's massive. That's life-changing, potentially. Yeah. Cool. So I've got a better understanding of coaching and why you personally got into it. So where did that take you into this kind of time management? How did this take you into this kind of time management sphere, which we're talking about? Right. So this is... Well, firstly, I hate the term time management. You can't manage it. So <laughs> time manages you. <laughs> uh, and I've even run training on it. I feel like such a hypocrite because I'm shit ass at time management. So it's not about. So what it's about is having more fun in your life, doing the things in life that you're really good at. I'm not. I'm about. Imagine if everyone in the world was doing things that they were good at and they liked doing. This is this is the entire doing epic stuff concept. That's what I'm trying to. Yeah. So it's my mission. <laughs> I went and studied computer programming because I'm quite um, I'm quite logical. I'm quite analytical. As did I. But I was I was shit at it. As did I. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I was too busy talking to the guys in the team room. That's just my idea of a fun day at the computer programming course. And um, when. <laughs> Whenever the printer was going off doing things that we shouldn't be doing, I'd obviously send something into a loop and, uh, you know, they'd go, Maureen, who's, you know, if anyone stuffed it up, it'd be me. So, um, I could, look, I could do it and eventually I'd get it. But those guys' brains and girls' brains were wired differently to mine. Yeah. And so let's celebrate that they can do it quicker than me and let's use Maureen's brain to use what Maureen's good at. So um, even at the moment we're employing um, virtual assistants overseas, team pe- people overseas, and the mistake people make is that they want this perfect perfect person who can do everything in their business that they don't want to do. And it does, doesn't work like that. You want to find the skills that you need um, in, a, in a person who's good at doing those things. Mm. So for me, um, it was really about finding... Just always, um, so the whole time management thing, getting back to that, is that um, do more of what, if you're in your business, for instance, do more of what you're going to uh, add value to in your business using your skills and talents. What shouldn't you be doing and who can you give that to? And there's plenty of people who love doing that stuff. And what other things are you putting off that you're not doing that you've always wanted to do in the business or know you should because you're still doing all the menial stuff that you shouldn't really be doing? Got it. So, so that's what I'm about. So yeah. your your current focus is a virtual assistant company, yep. essentially. Consultancy almost? Yes. Yep. yep. So you, from my understanding, 
Bob's super busy in his business. He needs someone to take some of the admin type tasks away from him. Yep. Potentially, Bob can employ a virtual assistant, might not be located physically near him, could be international, who can do things like screen calls, manage admin, uh, even potentially do things like help soft sell leads to then bring them to the level where... Yeah. Or there's things like, just say in your role, there's some stuff that you do that's not rocket science, mm. right? I do plenty of not rocket yeah. science stuff. But you might have to look through... Um, that person potentially, you could teach them... Um, so you could um, use some screen grab software, mm. go through the process, talk over it, right? Shoot it through to them, say, this is the process I do every morning to work to get the stats on my Facebook ads. Ah, could, yeah, you do, yeah. could you trawl through them all, please? Got Come it. back and answer these three questions for me. Best performing image, best blah blah, whatever it is. Oh, so, like so that's. So <laughs> I was going to call you after okay. this and be like, worried. Yeah. We need to chat. <laughs> so, what I'm saying here is, but, but people don't actually think of the, the menial task within something. Mm. So, for instance. Um, they just take it for granted. Yeah. Like, I'm pulling this lever I pull every fucking day of the week. So, every time you go to do it, like my business partner the other day, she went to type out a list of people who were coming to an event or put it in a spreadsheet and she's or oh, I think she was even grabbing it from Infusionsoft she's like no I didn't have to do it she sent a voice memo could you please grab all the people from the um, the list from Infusionsoft send it to me and can you add the, f- the following columns blah 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 thank you send done virtual assistant goes over to virtual assistant virtual assistant knows your business has all your logins understands how the business works Does brings it. out this task and suddenly you've freed up an hour of uh, senior stakeholders' time. Yeah. Um, my it. assistant the other day, Jonathan, went through my LinkedIn. He's going, oh, I found a few people you haven't responded to. He'll, he'll, he'll send me screenshots. This one's interested in doing business with you. Did you want me to reply or do you, do you oh, want man, to? Oh, man, that's so valuable. Yeah, and we, we're all for being really upfront too. So he'll reply saying, this is Jonathan, Maureen's assistant from the Philippines. Um, would you, so we don't want to be like recently my business partner also rang a call center and said, Oh, are you from the Philippines? Oh no, no, we're not. We, you know, and it's like, she goes, we want to be upfront and honest that we're using fantastic people who just happen to be in another country. Mm. Um, and can I just make one point? Cause there's a, there's a little bit of objection from some people about it because you're taking Australian jobs, mm-hmm. right? And there's this whole line. Um, we also employ Australians, but we couldn't employ those people and, until we'd grown the business by using people. Yeah, I get so it. So it goes back and forward. <laughs> so get we it. get some assistance over there. Then we can employ, um, um, we call them some quiet lovers over here and some other things that we feel like we want, we need Australian people to do. Get and it. they all work together as a big team. So we don't even like the term virtual assistant. We just say they're a team member. Mm, I get it. I can see how you'd get the naysayers and then I can see very clearly how that makes sense. You can't scale a business off using the most costly resources in every context straight oh, off my, the bat. Yes. It's just impossible. Thank you for saying it like that because that's what it is. It is using the most costly resources when you don't have clarity sometimes even of your direction and you're mm. taking a big risk and, it's, and then you're letting someone else down because you're getting them into a role or even a contract that you things don't go to plan and you don't have this bucket of money just sitting there and then you have to let them go. And it's, you got know, it. so it just doesn't, it's it works. Not viable. On, yeah. And these, um, the guys overseas, um, one of them studied medicine. Um, she's she's um, our team leader over there or manager over there. Um, and then a couple of engineers, um, computer programmer. Amazing. And they're a nurse and they've all got different skills. And they say they put their hand up. So um, a couple of engineers, they love the software stuff. Um, And Tim's been doing stuff on our website. We'll go onto a website and go, oh, my God, wow, look what they've just done. Because they're personally enjoying that part of it. You're an engineer getting to change things and mess with bits and bobs of a technical system. They're and like, they're just, sweet, I'm getting paid for this. This is good. And then we put them out of their comfort zone and we say, hey, we want to change the way, we want to bring the world closer together. 
and way of doing that is for people to hear you and see you. And mm. so they're doing videos and, you know, one of them did this video the other day about, um, you know, one of them showed her 10 dogs and she's out in the garden and, you know, tells her how she's married and how she loves organising things. Then another one um, talked about what she was good at and then that she loves Candy Crush. And do you know what I mean? It's just, it was just, they're just fun. I love it. And I mean, so, but not all of them would want to do that. And that's fine too because, again, you just go with um, people's strengths. Gotcha. I think... You're inherently very good at perceiving people's strengths, though, which which is such a a important sort of soft skill uh, and something that you can kind of train to an extent. But I think you've kind of always over-indexed in having that ability. It's probably something very innate to you. You probably do it without thinking. Uh, a little way, but you know how else you find out what people's strengths are? Ask them. Yeah, okay, there's, there's a big one. There's a big one for you. <laughs> Oh, I wonder, you know, I'm going to get them, I'm going to do a, um, all this testing on my people to see what they enjoy and what they're good at. Why don't you fucking ask them occasionally? Mm-hmm. I just That's feel really so strongly <laughs> because then you do this testing and then they get put in, you know, this is this sort of person and this is this sort of person and therefore I fit into this particular category and it really, really annoys me mm-hmm. because then people own their categories. I'm, a can- I'm Maureen, I'm a cancer and I'm shy. Yeah, right. No. I'm a cancer, but I'm not shy. And they're not, in doing that, they're less likely to think outside of their labelled category. Yeah. And I guess exp- uh, beh- exhibit behaviour outside of those categories because it's a constraint to be yeah. labelled. Yeah. So mm. I-, I feel like, and we do label ourselves anyway, mm. oh, but yeah. we also give people, you know, would you like this opportunity to, to stretch yourself? Would you, and we talk about it. So what, we, what we're also providing is we find great people that match your needs but also um, find out what, um, what their strengths are and what they want to be developed in. So we're, we run ongoing training for them. So I've said to the team, or I said to Joe, our leader, can you find out what sort of training the team wants? Um, so one of the training that I'm doing is um, how to be more assertive with Australian business owners because Australian business owners don't want total compliance. They want you to say, hey, I think something's wrong with, something's going on here, or they want a suggestion. So that's like a cultural training Cultural pocket. training, yeah. And well said, yeah. So we're doing that. And so I said, what else did they? And they were like, oh, that's, that'd be really great. Um, and so I'm giving, and then I'm giving them questions. That it's, so for instance, often Australian business owners will go, oh, I need this and this and this. And they just presume that the priority should be clear because it's come out of their head. And I said, can you always come back to the owner and say, what's the most important thing? Not even what's a priority, but what's the most important oh, I thing? I love that one. I, yeah, that's and so, so then, important. And then the business owner will go, oh, and talk it through in their own mind. And they'll, know, they'll get clear themselves what the most important thing is. You're forcing thing. them to get clear. Clear. And then mm-hmm. there's the implication of those, to those tasks. And often, sometimes it won't even, won't even be on that list. And then they, they get clearer. So we're training them with these sorts of tools. And the, but then um, one of them came back, Mund, um, and he said, um, Raymond, he said um, <laughs> he would, um, he wants um, budgeting training because he keeps spending all his, <laughs> you know, and I said, cool, let's do that too. Like I've got some budgeting one-on-one training that I can deliver for anyone who wants that as well. So we're starting to um, build that up as well, which is really exciting. I like it. Would I be correct in stating that your work as a business coach helped you to perceive the market opportunity for virtual assistance, working with all these different businesses and seeing how stressed and busy they are, were you kind of like, I keep seeing this recurring theme, people don't have enough time. Did that cross-pollinate the virtual assistant thing? No. Oh, okay. So it's a great uh, connection to make, but my brain didn't make that connection. Okay, cool. <laughs> so what happened was I joined um, Forces with Karma Williams, who's an amazing brain. She's she's just out there and um, in business. And she said, let's share a virtual assistant together because we we're a bit uh, scared in the beginning. Cool. Because one of the first, because she is very good at delegation, always has been. So even when she was, a, she calls it, when I was a baby business owner, the first thing she spent her money on was help. Was help. 
which a lot of people don't. Yeah, I definitely didn't like yeah, that. Right? Yeah, right? No. So, and it was a really good move. <clears throat> and so then what we shared, and then before we knew it, within a few weeks, we had a couple because we just found more and more things that they could do and help us with. And, right. Um, Direct application to improving your day-to-day Yeah, processes. so we, you know, we had an infusion soft, which is a sales and marketing software that we weren't using, and we got someone to then start organising that and do a whole lot of work in that. Um, we started, some, one of them decided, because they also, they don't have to be experts in, in anything, but one of them was really interested in learning about YouTube and YouTube advertising, and so they're now working on a project doing that. So, so, um, and we, we're happy to pay for them to learn as well. And so they, get, they love learning new things. They're highly educated people. Mm. And um, just like anybody, any, any, you know, great team members like to learn new things. Um, so what happened was we started doing it and then one of our clients said, I hired somebody in Australia that wasn't working so well, a, a, an assistant, and she said, I want what you guys have got. Your VAs are amazing. And she said, could you get me one for, please? And um, we go, oh, okay, sure. So, and she goes, yeah, but I want you to support me with her as well. I don't want you to just give me, I want you to tell me how to manage the relationship and what I should do and how many times a week should I speak to her and how's it all going to work. So then we decided, well, people want, that she wanted more than that. So we set it up like that. So we said, okay, this is how, this is the software that you can use to communicate. These are your choices. This is, we we supported her. We found a great person. They connected um, and it went really well. So um, she's nearly ready for another person. And so then um, I went at the pub one night in Sydney I said, look, this is this might be this might be something. There might be something in this Carmen mm. because it's going really well. And Carmen's going, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> and um, and then three months later, Carmen says, hey, Maureen, I reckon there's something in this virtual assistant <laughs> thing. Twig. Right? Remember, ideas are like children. You like your own the best. Uh, so she had the idea three months later. We laughed. She goes, I do remember that time in the pub though. And um, so then we said, well, let's just give it a go. Let's run an event and see if. Uh, Anyone comes and anyone's interested. Try and validate that there's a concept there's here. There's a concept here that it might. Mm. So we invited people on LinkedIn. Uh, we got about, uh, not that many, maybe 15 people came along. Um, and a couple of people did want uh, a VA. And they're sur- surprising people. Mm. So I always find it interesting too because we judge our prospects. We're so, we're so prescriptive with things. We'll think, well, you know... Um, Oh, I don't think she's been in business. I don't think she's successful enough, or she, or she, I don't think she'll, yeah, or whatever. Okay, you know, yeah. to go through He's mind. He's not going to need one. He's not going to. Bob will, and then of course Bob and Jane don't. It's you know Will who does, and so, um, and this person is a, uh, a physio, and she had no system of follow up for her clients, uh, her patients. Sorry. And so she wanted someone who could get on the phone and answer the phone. Oh, it's so perfect for physio. Yeah, yeah. So now she made her money, the, the month's um, fees in a couple of days that she got back in clients coming back. And and this, this, this poor person was on the phone day two of working for her and did a great job. She, you know, they talked Able about... Able to manage it, all good. Yeah, Just jump. fine, jumped on the phone, you know, and... Um, so that's sort of how it happened. So I'd love to say that I saw this need in the market and that people were overworked, and but it, it sort of it didn't really happen that way. Um, it happened by people actually coming to us and saying, hey, you know, one person coming to us and saying, I want what you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's grown from there. But now it is a lot of people who um, coming to our events who sort of have been thinking about it for a while and they know they want to get help. Gotcha. So can I ask, Maureen, how have you, and I think this is something that faces anyone, whether it's a startup or starting a new hobby or wanting to do some personal development stuff, and they've got a job already, they're probably in a nine to five, and they want to deviate from whatever they're doing. They want to start something new. I think time is often blamed as the reason why they don't, or it's the fallback is I'm too busy, whatever. You've got two children you've raised two children you've managed multiple different businesses how how have you done that how have you managed to juggle all of these things yourself because it's not you didn't have a virtual assistant yourself for most of this these things did you have to be a workaholic or um, what did you do no i'm all about finding support 
So I had two babies, they're anonymous sperm donors. So I had it, so there was no traditional support of a partner. So you did this all on your, off your uh, own back? On the, uh, yeah. And so wow. I, um, and so the example is I, especially with the second one, I love this, with the second child, I'm right, right, I've got two kids now. Uh, I can't really take a whole lot of time off, but I, and I still loved business coaching. And I, but I, so I could do just a couple of clients a week when the baby was still very little, but I need someone to look after the baby. But there happened to be this amazing, the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, um, you could hire people. So I hired a cleaner from the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre. Oh, I did not, you know, you could from do that. Burma, she's just beautiful, lot of, um, lot of our lives, Cherry. And so Cherry <laughs> was doing the cleaning and then I had the baby and she's like, she's, she's besotted with the baby. I'm like, mm. there's my opportunity. Hey, Cherry, do you want to look after my baby? Oh, my God. The baby's never been so well looked after wow. than with Cherry. And we still, Cherry's still friends to this day. Wow, so, so the point to this story is there's, um, why do you get caught up? It's, it's traditional Australian values to, uh, to do things like do your own garden and, you know, get out there and, you wash know, your own car. wash your own car and do all <laughs> some stuff. It's changing now. Yeah. So you're, you're providing opportunities to other people. So all along, before it was overseas, I found ways to, um, to get help. What, what in the, the modern <laughs> vernacular would be like a time hack. You were, you were the original time hacker. Yeah, well, I was trying, mm. you know, and I still, you know, uh, didn't always get it right. Like the other night when I got a guy out to fix the TV and it was just because the, the switch underneath was off. <laughs> <laughs> Consider it a fix. But I go, and he goes, oh, just 15 bucks is fine. I said, here, have 20, you know. Uh, for the effort of me trying to, you know, another two hours of me trying to work it out as well. You know what I mean? Like you just mm. sometimes hit and miss. But I really think that um, uh, we're all running around spending time doing all this stuff that I don't think we, sh we should really be doing. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm so, I have been so guilty of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's also a stat, um, there's a colleague of mine who is doing a lot of research in this area um, at, I think it's La Trobe Uni, and they were looking at the... Um, how tasks are distributed in, in couples. Okay. Like at, in, in the home. Yeah. And they found that over the years, it's now men are doing a lot more, which is great. But do you know what they're not doing more of? They couldn't have done less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good point. But you know what? They, they, they has, the needle has not moved on coordination. So Bob oh. may pick up little Ellie from kinder, but I bet your bottom dollar he hasn't coordinated that to happen. His wife has texted right. him or his wife has told him what days he's picking up little Ellie. So he hasn't so. gotten more efficient through no. coordination. No. Just the the weighting of distributions changed. Yeah. But the actual mental um, uh, drag on coordination is huge. So if you so if we talk about the tasking, but what you know, what about if you start setting up systems in your business so that you don't have to coordinate all those things all the time? You just that they your VA knows that they're going to happen. Yeah. But you have to set so it up in the, in the first place for them to know that that happens. So for yeah. instance, um, my uh, VA they triage my email, right? Oh, I love this. But the first thing that yeah. I had to do is painstakingly go through a spreadsheet myself saying what I wanted done with each of the different... So you had, you'd had you employed the structure. The structure was I had to put clear. some structure in mm. place to go, this this is where I want and those you can put in. This, these are the two action. This The rest goes in the two action folder. But all the rest, this can be, you know, um, um, like resources and this can be, you know, so I just had a few... You know, and so so there's sometimes there's a little bit of effort in the, the first instance mm -hmm. but it's sort of like am i ever going to have to do this again if you are going to have to do this again then maybe record it while you're doing it and then then hand it over right so just use a use a screen share app you could this stuff's downloadable from the internet you yeah. can record and voice over while you're doing it here i am sorting the emails into yeah. these folders yeah. give that to your va yeah and they've got a, a a recording of it, and then you can get them to write up the process in oh, Google Slides. So it. then it's all written up. So the next to say, um, Jonathan's sick, and then I say, okay, um, Dana, could you please do it? Then she knows where to look, and she can look at the video and the thing. 
because it's all itemized. Very good. The, the implications to improved or just having more time to do what you're good at, which I guess is the bigger picture here. Yeah. Do more of the shit you're good at, less of the shit that's wasting your time that you're not that good at. The implications of getting one thing working better are massive. So I can only imagine, and it's probably a progressive thing, you get your VA helping with one thing and then you give them another task, another task. And before you know it, you've probably, you know, you've gone from doing 20% of what you should be to 40%. Yeah, and it is, and, and I'm, mine's still not perfect. Every day I'm finding new things. Like I too, still do too much of the, the book work. The, um, I'm still I'm using, anyway, I'm not going into the drama of it. Um, but, but it doesn't have to be handed all over at once. All at once, you can just yeah, go. Okay, progressive. progressive. Could you just actually? I just, I'd just like you to reconcile. This is the way we reconcile, and this is just start reconciling these ones, or setting up rules for this, or whatever it is, and then you can slowly um, hand the things over. Because sometimes it just seems all too big or too much, and you just go, "Oh, it's quicker if I do it." But yeah, it's quicker if you do it. It's quicker if you do it. It's quicker if you do do it. You've done it a um, hundred times, and it's taken up, um, you know, fifteen hours of your time in the year mm. just that one task so um yeah so now my brain is starting to it's taken me a while as i'm about to do something i'm like oh do i have to do, do this have to, yeah okay so you've kind of re-geared yourself i to know it's really that. hard to do mm. because in the beginning i was like everyone else well what what, what are they going to do what could they do for me it's like i think yeah that's definitely my yeah. first consideration I could, I, we could sit down and I could, you could tell me, we draw it out of you, all the things you do and the steps mm. and things you do. And, and then you'll still have these light bulb moments going, oh my gosh, I don't need to do that. I'm loving this. And even employee, even if <laughs> you're in business. assistance so hard. <laughs> you know, even if you're in, in an employee, you know, how much more valuable, just say you're in, in sales and a job, right? And, but there's all the mundane entering of stuff. I, I spoke to the person and then they said this and this is the meeting time, next meeting time. And then, you know, so much as the admin stuff. Imagine if you could just go, met with Bob, this this happened. Could you please update, update the spreadsheet? Meeting next, call him in the next three months. Yeah. Done. Wow. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it's good. Tell me about riding bikes across Thailand. Right. So uh, I am part of a group called Business Blueprint, um, the amazing Dale Beaumont, and he, in his business, he um, likes uh, supporting um, charity, and his big charity is Hands Across the Water, mm. which was started by Peter Baines, who went over when the tsunamis hit. Um, okay. I think it's like eleven. Is it eleven years? Anyway, quite a while um, now. And his job was to help identify bodies. Um, but what happened was he was identifying these bodies and there were all these kids who's they were their parents. Oh, and it was man. just all these kids without parents. So he started um, an orphanage over there for these kids. Um, and now I think they've got three. And, um, yeah, so it was a really great cause. And I loved the 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 organisation because every cent that you raise goes to the children in the orphanage. They actually run businesses on the side to handle all their admin costs. So right. there's no so there's direct attribution. The money is going straight to the orphanage. Yeah. So to do the ride, you have to raise. Um, so a group of around fifty entrepreneurs do it every year with Dale, and you have to raise at least five grand. So you've got to really. And that's outside your comfort zone for a lot of people as well. Yeah. Raising... So to participate in the ride, you've got to raise 5 And if you don't, you can't. Gotcha. Cool. Right? I like it. And so... You've got to be um, committed. <laughs> yeah. And then I think that I did it uh, about 18 months ago. I raised eight, I think, which was pretty cool. Wow, that's good. And... 8K goes a long way in yeah. Thailand. Like, yeah. Like, my God. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and then you ride your bike after. So it's five days, um, 500 kilometres. Extreme heat. The heat's the thing that really gets you. The last day you ride, you cycle into the orphanage and all the kids are there to greet you. Mm. And it's just amazing. And they are such beautiful people and so grateful. Mm. And it's just it's like it's – I took my kids last time. I went to the orphanage. Did you? And them yeah, it was pretty awesome. cool. And they couldn't speak but they could still play. Like kids don't need to speak yeah. to, you know, hang out. Hang out, yeah. And the – like I just – 
there was all these clothes hanging up um, on these racks. And then my kids are like, what are the clothes, clothes doing there? They don't have their own clothes. They just get up in the morning and choose. Like, it's just a whole oh. different. And then I bought some gifts that they'd all just share. Just total, which is very different to, you know, Australian mine, kids. mine, mine. So, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they're all for educating these kids. So a lot of them have become lawyers and, um, you know, professionals. Wow. Um, so it's not just Amazing. let's just house them. So, um, yes, yeah, so I'm going to do it again um, next year. So it's end of March. And they're doing another different ride up north, which will be really nice to a, um, a an orphanage up there. That does north it. of Thailand. Yeah, northern Thailand. Mm. Yeah, so it's going to be amazing. It's going to be really hard. Sure. But it's also people do it for all different reasons. Like I worked out a lot of stuff. You work out a lot of stuff when you're in the bowl. Just well, this is why I love all the the exercising stuff <laughs> yeah. that I do. It's yeah, good. and it's um and just on that the whole thing of taking yourself out. I did the Inca Trail um about twelve years ago, and I took myself away from technology for about two months. <sighs> and it, it wasn't as hard as it would be now because I, I'm, I think I'm more addicted now. But <laughs> no phone, no computer for for that time. Too much, yes. And to make a decision about whether I was going to have children on my own because I always thought you know oh. that a nice guy'd come along and I'd have the traditional story. And so, but what what was interesting about it was, well, I did get hypothermia and nearly die, so that was quite a bit of out of body experience. But I made I I had a lot of thinking time throughout the trekking and the whole trip, and I made a decision. I went, no, I'm still going to hang out. I'm going to wait and see if someone, you know, if I can um, find someone or someone comes along. But then when I got back, something clicked really quickly. And the next day I went to the IVF clinic. Wow. So it's almost wow, like, okay. so what's the point of this story? That that sometimes you just don't know what's going to fall out the other end. So even through the, say, through the bike ride, you think you've made a decision about this or through the hike or through the Mai Tai or whatever it is, you, you know, you get a lot of space to think. It's just all the goodness that pops out as a, as a result somewhere along the way. Mm. Super important. It's it's having those outlets, whether they're through travel or whatever they are. Um, yeah, I can't really understand. I think I've said a few times on this podcast, the, the most significant leaps and bounds I've had in personal and professional development have been things outside of business environments. There've been things like doing a marathon or trying to, it, it might be in the in business environment too, like trying to launch a startup for the first time, going in head first, not really knowing what I was getting myself into. Uh, yeah, I think if more people can get excited about challenging themselves with those good problems, that's a, that's a really good way to, to kind of, everyone to be, as you were saying earlier, to be following things that they want to be following and they're excited about. Yeah, but just interesting, just a bit of a side note to what you're saying, so that would maybe think, so I, I walked a marathon two weeks ago um, and what I found really interesting in that journey was that I started with my business partner. We both hadn't trained, which was pretty silly. Um, <laughs> it's a long distance, 42 Ks. Yeah, it is. And so I've done it before in my heyday when I came second a couple of times. Like, hey. And I thought, yeah, I'll be right. And so we went a bit slower because my friend um, wanted to go, you know, was wanted to go a bit slower. But then we realized we weren't going to make the cutoff. Oh, they start to call you after a while. No, if you don't get there in eight hours, they just you don't finish. Oh God! And I didn't want to be out there, you know, eight hours and not finish. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So halfway through, she goes, "Look, you leave me and you finish." So I, you know, and then and then the mental toughness has got to kick in. But what I found really interesting on that journey, every marathoner, because there were people ran it as well, who ran past it was ultra ultra encouraging. So anyone yeah. who goes for things in life. Um, they're part of the team, they're part of the group, they really, really encourage. Mm. What was interesting was anyone like the the bloke, the overweight bloke sitting in the car, and admittedly he's a nice guy and he's helping out on the day, really negative comments. Like, I'm like, oh, it's not too far to go now. And he's going, yes, it is. Like, yeah, and he's like, oh, you know, and to me, 7Ks wasn't very long to go because I'd already done 35. <laughs> but he's like, oh, yeah, still got a bloody fair way to go. And yeah. oh, how's this rain? And uh. oh, whereas one of the marathoners ran past, he's going, I love hills. I love rain. I love hills. I love rain. And we're going, woohoo, woohoo. And so it's like, 
Um, you want to surround yourself with the marathon running going, I love hills, I love rain. So it's perspective. It makes the journey much easier, doesn't it? Yeah. And so who are you hanging around with? Mm-hmm. You know, you're the average of the people you hang around with. So if you're in the middle, like um, put yourself in with other people if you're feeling like you're getting stuck by hanging around those people. Yeah. It doesn't mean you don't love them or that, you know, maybe it's family or or whatever, but find yourself some other, some marathon runners to hang out with. Yeah, I like it. There's so much uh, power in having a, a, a group of like-minded people around you striving to a common goal. You know, wh- wh- even if the goal's not the same, yeah. but you're all striving, that will definitely help. And yeah. I've seen things like a, the, the crazily stoked marathon runner, like just embracing the grind and going hard and uh, raising other people. And you go, okay, I don't feel so bad now. Oh, cool. And it is, and the same with this ride where I'm older than a lot of people on the, you know, some of the guys are like almost professional cyclists. Like they're, you know, on this, and but we're all entrepreneurs mm. and there's no judgment because you're taking longer than the other person or but there's admiration that you're giving it a go. You're giving it a crack. Yeah, I love it. It's really good. Uh, okay, well, so we're heading towards kind of the closing you section, yep. Maureen. Um, I'm just going to... Read out this quote. This was a Seth Godin quote. Yep. I'm on his little newsletter thing. And he's, he, he does a blog post a day, but they're only like a paragraph. So I like it because I, can, I can't seem to put enough time aside to read a really big, chunky post. But just a, a quick thought is always pretty beneficial for me. And this one kind of I hooked into. So it says, <clears throat> school trains people to work as maintainers. The sculptures are all here in the gallery. Make sure they're still here at the end of the shift. The floor is clean when you start. Make sure it's clean uh, because patients are going to be in the hospital. Uh, there are customers to be served, standards to be maintained, work to be done. Important work, no doubt, but not thrilling. A few people somehow avoid these lessons and become instigators, impresarios and disruptors. They're not only dancing with infinity, but completely unsure what's going to work, and yet they're hooked on... on uh, Hooked on leaping forward. I think it's possible to switch from one posture to the other. I know that it's incredibly, incredibly difficult to do so. Choose wisely. Now I thought about this, this quote and I thought one of the things that I've strived to do is to keep striving. Like I have found it very challenging in points, but I've found also that there's an inherent reward from, from continuing to reach for goals, whether they're in a business context or a exercise context or whatever this little personal challenges i think i said to you recently i went to a toastmasters event which is about trying to improve your public speaking so that to me was a little challenge which i'm kind of striving for at the moment i feel like you have very much been an instigator rather than a maintainer uh so i guess what what i'd like to know is how have you managed to continue to do that? And for people who feel like they maybe they are maintainers at the moment, they're in a business role or whatever context, and they're just kind of chugging along but not really feeling inspired, do you think, is there any tips you could give to them to kind of get out of that rut and move into something new? Yeah. I suppose it's really about what's important to them in their life. So if it, is it a true rut so we have we have somebody overseas who works with us who who doesn't want new challenges. He just wants to do the mundane, the same stuff, and he's a he's a happy person. Mm, mm. So who am I to judge whether maintaining is a bad thing mm. if you get joy from it? Sometimes or, you're happy. You're cool. Yeah, or you might be a maintainer in one aspect of your life, like your job, but then you. Do other things that. So do you know what I mean? So I think that's quite black and white Mm. and judgmental. Mm. Whereas I feel like like labeling someone purely as a maintainer is not really. We're labeling again. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can be a bit of um, a bit of both. Yes. And and maintaining gives people stability and structure, and people love that, and that's how we you know mankind needs that as well, and we need those people. So I I think. If someone reads that and gets inspired to, um, what's what was the term? Not a maintainer, a um, uh, a instigator. instigator. Yeah, and they want to be an instigator. So it's about want. 
Got it. You can't sell anything to anybody unless they want it. They may mm. need it. How many people have said to me, oh, my husband needs business coaching. If your <laughs> husband doesn't want it, love, it's not going to... This is the thing, It's not right? going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, so it's about want. So you yeah. can't be inspired unless you want to be. I, I really like what you said about being able to be a maintainer or an instigator in different contexts. It, you don't have to be just one or the other. You don't, you don't have to be labelled as always an instigator. You might be in a day job that ticks the box and you're happy enough with that. And on the side, you're being an instigator by trying new something physical or personal development yeah, or, or even relationship. With, yeah, or with your job, just say you're um, working a childcare centre. And you're a maintainer because you do you go through the same motion every day, um, but with within within the context of that, a conversation with a child, you're an instigator. Mm, absolutely. You know, so you're changing that child's life. You're making a difference. Maybe you're helping that child see things differently. So I just I feel like there's so much nuance in it. Yes, that there it's is. very. Absolutely difficult to just and i'm not all I'm, i just don't like the whole labeling of things as you probably guess by yeah now. <laughs> this much. i kind of figured this one would be a good one to try no, and poke, poke you great. a bit <laughs> that was good yeah and i great think response. by writing that i loved it um it's i love i love his um blog too because it it's very thought-provoking and people mm. like that aren't asking you they want to have people to have discussions about it yeah. that's what it's about it's not that's saying it. this is the way it's like i'm going to throw this out there and see what the world comes back with. yeah and from that discussion it, it fuels the next post that he's talking about but yeah. inherently it's a good thing to to kind of challenge these things i really liked your response from that okay so this is the post-fight interview section yep doing epic stuff post-fight interview so i ask you five questions um starting with what was the greatest obstacle you feel you've come overcome to date uh, in your journey so far? Um, loving and believing in myself. Powerful. Yeah. So I'm all for extreme ownership. So if everyone, there's always outside obstacles, but the biggest obstacles always come from within because no matter how much shit other people hang on you you're going to do a better job yourself um is there anything you would have changed about the path you've taken today retrospectively yeah but yeah I, I would have been braver to make braver and more motivated to change things up and take more even more risks even more risks but there was things Love like so no, but like a practical one. I had this website for years that I it was just all too hard to change. Like it sounds really ridiculous now, but it was just like I, you know, I just kept doing the same thing and not getting results that I wanted because I'm getting results other way other ways. But it was sort of like just doing, you know, when really if I'd just move faster on stuff. Mm. I've moved faster on the, in the last 12 months since working with Carmen than I would have done in I don't know how many years. Yeah, wow. It's funny, we kind of create these blockages for ourselves, don't we? Yeah. Like, we're like, oh, it's that project that I feel so negative about moving forward. It's going to be so tough. And thus, you don't do anything about it. But you can, the, the more in pound now, even for the more in pound, pound a year or two years ago, probably has a different perception on what truly difficult is and what can be achieved. Yeah, so, yeah, just... and and trying to um, deal with how people view me. So the more you put yourself out there, the more people have an op opinion of you, even when you're not that well known. <laughs> yeah. And so it's about um, the way I'm seeing all of that as well. It's just like, mm. yeah, that's all right, that's all right. Just move on, move on. You know, are you going to worry about it in this in a week? No. Like, okay, let's just keep going. Just keep cracking along. Yeah. I like it. Uh, oh, the battery's getting low. Uh, any advice you'd give to somebody who... Uh, maybe wants to get into business coaching or wants to start their own something? Um, my advice would be to, I would go and see a business coach. Um, I, I, I second that. Yeah, just even that first session, and look, most of them out there will give you a complimentary session okay. um, where you can get clear and then work out whether they're the right person to support you moving forward. Mm. Um, and... 
just give it a crack. Yeah. Is my second piece of advice. <laughs> I was thinking of that as a doing epic stuff tagline. Give it a crack. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I love it. That's what I reckon it's about. Mm, I totally agree. Because people in my life have said you can't do that because of whatever reason. And then I've always just done it. And so don't let other people's views, um, unqualified, often unintelligent views, change what you what you want to do. Yeah. You know, can I give you an example? You do a website. What do you think of my website? Who fucking cares what they give you to think of your website? They're not your target market. doesn't Mm. matter if they Mm. like the blue or not. Like, Mm. seriously, dude, stop asking. Stop asking other people. Don't ask the question even. Like, it's just not that important. um, Stop caring so much about what the world thinks of you. Mm. Um, Care more about what you think of yourself. Man, such an important uh, kind of adage to live by, especially important to kind of incept young people with that thinking process and really challenging given the the temptation to receive and the sugar hit of receiving feedback for an Instagram post or or whatever you can get a thousand people looking at whatever you've done and giving you artificial approval overnight so yeah I think that's a really important one and a, a a really important one to be able to continue to back yourself is to be able to give yourself your own approval and not have to seek others for it. So that's good. Because that's where the, the way <clears throat> the world's going, isn't it? Very much so. Very much so. It's not in a not in a good path in that regard either. But I think we'll inevitably see a peak and a trough of these things. I think even yeah. you see Instagrams trying to take likes or followings followers away from uh, posts so that it, that's not as visible. Um, I think that... Yeah, I've noticed that too, yeah. There's a larger question about corporate responsibility about that and if the whole world's on a drip feed of artificial approval, where does that take humanity? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. It's uh, um, a bit deep to end. Yeah, that's heavy, right? <laughs> uh, and any any resources you'd recommend, anything that you... That you you've used as a, as a guide for yourself any books you like they don't have to be business books they can be anything any podcasts you listen to um i um i really like um the power of habit I thought you were um, going to say The Power of One then. And I'm like, I just read that book. Oh, really? Recently. Oh, that's a pretty good book too. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked book. Okay, Power of Habit. The yep. Power of Habit. Um, but you know what else I reckon? Um, I read voraciously and I just, um, every you know, time I go past, and I'm a bit old-fashioned, I love old books um, as well. Right. We can turn the pages. Smell the paper. Um, but you know what? I, you know, I think um, get out there and find your peeps. Who am I to tell you? Um, who, who's going to resonate with you. So do some Googling on anything and find your peeps. Because they're all out there. There's a yeah. tribe for everything. There, there's, yeah, exactly. And um, and then, um, but also when you're reading people's stuff, question it. Yeah. Just because someone's written a book, because we all know every Tom, Dick and Harry can write a book these days, some of them are really shit. <laughs> so even if it's in a bookstore... So, um, and some of the podcasts are shit. So really it's about, um, I'm not going to, I could sit here and list 20, but it's just like, just go find your, find your peeps. You, you, I feel like you have a reluctance to be prescriptive in any context, Maureen. And I think it's a very good thing. Oh, thanks. I think that's. I haven't seen it like that before. Yeah. I, I, I think people finding their own paths is really, really good. And sometimes it's tough to do and it can be a bit of a, a process and you might not even be able to put a time frame on it it can take time to find what your jam is uh, but being active about doing that and taking responsibility about doing that on yourself I think that's really good and then when you get to a rut when you put in some time and you don't know where the fuck to go to next business coach whatever coach different perspective cool yeah and the same with the VAs we say research some training for yourself What which one do you want to do you know, one of the one of our clients wants you know um, his person to learn Premiere Pro for some video editing stuff. Now he could be prescriptive even on that, but he hasn't. He's gone. You research. You see what you know. This is what we need to do. You go and and, and then there's more ownership as well. Mm. Then everyone, it's like, and we want the simple answer. You just tell us. 
Mm, I love it. Thank you very much, Maureen. No worries. Cut. Cut. Done. <laughs> it's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. For the latest Doing Epic Stuff happenings, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash doing epic stuff. Or for inquiries, you can contact me directly on mike at doingepicstuff.com. We out.